Welcome everyone to POV Crypto. I'm David Hoffman here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? You guys, I'm a globetrotter. I'm in Seattle now, so I was in Nashville, the Miami, now I'm in Seattle. I'm actually sitting in David's living room right now, here with our friend Hunter Stutzman, David Truman, our roommate. How's it going? Third roommate. We were uh, freshman year roommates, uh, junior year roommates, and now we are Seattle roommates. And this is our first episode that we are in the same spot, only recording on one track, so hopefully this makes everything really easy for us. Fun fact too, Christian left out of a house one time and I took his spot out of a house too, (laughs) so we're basically roommates too. Uh Uh-huh. So Hunter has a background in finance and startups. Hunter, you want to kind of give us a little um, little tidbits about yourself and then we'll start talking about crypto? I grew up uh, into the marketing space and that was my passion, and then I went to school and realized that stuff's like super basic. And then finance kind of came out and started trading stocks in 2013. Just have been doing it ever since. And just a lot of really interesting stuff in the finance space. You know, it's like making free money in my mind. (laughs) You like markets. You're a markets guy. I like making money. I like (laughs) making money in markets. Yes. So you kind of like started trading during a massive bull run. Yeah. It's been interesting and very like everyone trying to grasp everyone's reaction to this correction right now is it's pretty funny because i don't think anyone which correction the last three months have you looked at the markets well the, wait, the crypto market or the or the oh finance sorry markets? sorry sorry <laughs> yes the stock market well both both markets both markets um the crypto market i kind of i got to experience the brunt of it uh, <laughs> i invested in crypto pretty heavily in the start of 2018 right yeah that's the right that's the right year uh, January and February were my main investing time period, so obviously I hit the jackpot. Um, I uh, bought a couple miners and uh, bought a lot of shitcoin, a little bit of ether too, which, I mean, depending on who you talk to on this panel, uh, might be part of that conversation. So it's been really fun being in crypto. I got to really love it, and now I just ignore the price and try to just wait it out till it gets a little more interesting again. Mm-hmm. Right now, the markets are dull as an outsider. Mm-hmm. So how much of your day-to-day time would you say you spend learning and reading about crypto-related content? Not enough. Uh, I live with you, so <laughs> um, I get a little bit of it frequently. Trickle-down um, information. All the time. Yeah, trickle-down information. Um, you know, I, I, I don't tweet. I'm not on the Twitter. So, um, having insight into the, into the crypto space probably isn't my thing considering Twitter seems to be where it's at. Um, I do follow a lot of the, the reddits and subreddits, um, for crypto, some, some specific shit coins, some large subreddits, um, both provide their entertainment. Um, it's crazy. I mean, it's, uh, it's funny to hear what people think and just to read comments, man. I love reading the comments for everything and crypto comments are some of the best. Oh, tell us, tell us. <laughs> Especially some of the, you know, as much as I think that the crypto people, sorry, um, tend to be a little crazy about their ideas and mm-hmm. maybe slightly delusional sometimes. The people that I find are the most fucking annoying are the ones, sorry, pardon. I oh, you're sorry. good. That's um, perfect. Are the ones that are against crypto, the but the are buttcoin people, because they don't even under, like they are making fun of something for reasons that they're wrong. Like they're using economic principles to be like, yeah, this is why this doesn't make sense. And you're like, 
Wait, but that isn't why, like, it doesn't make sense. You're right. But your reasoning for why you're right is wrong. And so now you just sound so stupid. Yeah, there's a lot so, of low hanging fruit that they are just objectively missing. And then they're going after the really complicated things it, that, it, yeah. It, I mean, if you're going to criticize, be right, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to make a subreddit around it. Yeah, yeah, that is what it is. So what's the right criticism of crypto? You need to convince, you have, you have to get my mom to use it. You have to get my dad to use it. You know, you can. We know that. Well, it's, of on, course. it's on the way. Of course, but it's just, there's so many barriers. Creating a wallet, I can't, I can do it and, and obviously have struggled with it, as you know, <laughs> as my roommate who's had to help me with some of this stuff. Um, and I consider myself a pretty smart dude. And so that's some of the biggest obstacles to me. I don't, I, I don't even, I don't, for, again, for the reasons you know, I don't trust myself to have my own bank in my hands. So the at the end of the day you know there's all those kind of jokes and memes and, and it's a kernel of truth that you can't have someone else help you set up your wallet and control it without it being not that makes it not secure anymore because now they know all your passwords the whole point of it is, is only you know so if only I know and I don't trust myself it's hard for me to get over to get to that mm-hmm. and to imagine someone like my mom who can't remember where she put her keys to remember her 24 word passcode or whatever, you know, that would be, those would be the biggest ones. Um, and then if you can get that, I think everything else follows. Cause then like the criticism is about like having the big money and they're going to come if you can convince the 40 to 60 year old generation that this is something hmm. you could do every day. So you're saying that big, the big money, you know, big money is dabbling with crypto, but like as a whole, big money is tends tends to be on the sideline and maybe not even pay attention, pay, uh, paying attention to crypto. But you're saying that if you can get our parents into the world of crypto, that that would be a a, a motivation or an indicator that big money is is coming to crypto. It's, it, it's at that point I can see it. I can see it getting to the point where you know they feel it as safe. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer that, you know, when, when large, when you want to move a large sum of money, you know, you're making decisions that, you know, you want to know what's, most of these people aren't just guessing mm-hmm. that they, they, they have an outlook. They can see things. I mean, just, I've had a few brief conversations with venture capitalists and, and different angel investors and, you know, they don't like risk. Uh, it, they're going to go into markets and into companies that they already see proven. You know, if you want to get, that's what ICOs are for, you know, but the problem with that is, is ICOs is, is us. It's small guys in Mm -hmm. my opinion, which aren't enough to really propel this, this market into a global super currency, I guess. Yeah. I would, I would say that the, the bringing in old finance into crypto is, Definitely a vector that crypto sh- people and the crypto industry at large should be interested in. But at some point, I think that there's just some people just will not come. Some people will always remain in old old money uh, and and traditional finance. And I think for the whole like global mass consumer adoption that you know is the pipe dream for all crypto people, it really just takes uh, a a replacement of a generation. And so there's somebody, some science person said that like, uh, science progresses one grave at a time. And so like implying that like when our parents die and we replace them as parents, 
that's when slightly morbid, but yeah, slightly morbid, but uh, uh, you know, you know, we're t- money doesn't care. Yeah. Um, that's when there will be like uh, like ninety percent adoption. Uh, so I say like a yin and a yang between those two things. We have moved into the upgrade lifestyle and mentality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're we've been conditioned to upgrade, and I think that we've been conditioned to use electronic payments. My, my parents do not use electronic payments, but I know parents that do use electronic payments. Everyone who's 30 uses electronic payments. Everyone our age uses it. Wait, go, go explain what the Upgrade Lifestyle is a little bit for our listeners. So the Upgrade Lifestyle is, you know, you don't buy something and then it stays good for more than three to four years. Like, mm-hmm. I, I had an Apple Watch. Three years later, it's done. Like, I need to get a new Apple Watch. Your phone, you know... There's some people who really hold on, but really, you know, after three to four years, you kind of need to upgrade. So, you know, that's the upgrade lifestyle. Like, people are just used to, like, we're getting... the Apple iPhone upgrade program. (laughs) Big fan. It's going to get better, and people will also get used to changing their ways over time. Yeah, millennials will definitely adopt something much more sooner than everyone else. Uh, we are, we are an exper- experimenting crowd of people. Yeah. I mean, and I think at the end of the day, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm bearish in the long term. I think that at the, the technology is, I think, solid. And maybe you're right. People just need to die. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, but that, that's the time horizon, I guess, where it's like, shit, do I invest now? Mm. And, um, wait for people to die, I guess. <laughs> I mean, in all reality, it's it, that that does solve my my problem. So it is a matter of time at that at that point. So um, I mean, that is why I'm part of it and why I think it's a. I, I uh, I'm part of the ether crowd, I guess. Sorry, Christian. Mm. Um, Bitcoin just doesn't add up to me. Oh, let's get into this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that's just because there there's just this. I mean, we've had this conversation before. I think. That I think that every single currency needs to have two things that it does, and Bitcoin is a great store of value. But then it, there's the other thing that needs to be, and transactional currency is not it right now. So, what else? Like if I want to trade you a back in the day, if I have a cow that was used as a currency, like it could milk something. Like you could chop it up and make meat and sell the meat. Like, so it had a you know it was a store of value and it was meat and it was a milk machine like what does what is bitcoin's other things that like can bring out that intrinsic value not Mm -hmm. just the like what we agree because what we agree could change you know we could just like fiat could change i think that that's a common misconception um but it's really about how you view the world so a lot of people view the world as money is this thing that has intrinsic value that also Turns out to be good money, and many instruments have fulfilled that in the past. Um, the Austrian view is that something can have moneyness, right? So it's the most saleable good. It's the thing that the most people want, or a thing that a lot of people want. So that way, it's like a common thing that's easy to transport with you and trade with. That's the feature that it, it gives you. So the features that it gives you is the fact that you can have money that's uncensorable and it's sellable in many places around the globe and you can cross borders with millions of or you know whatever amount in your brain in your brain wall if you memorize 24 words which is in like the grand scheme of things like pretty easy ux 
if it's something that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. So that's what it offers right now. Um, Bitcoin on the blockchain is very dependable, but you could say it's slow. But Bitcoin on the blockchain, the blockchain just proves that the Bitcoin's there. Mm -hmm. So you have to remove that from what Bitcoin is. You can, you can address that Bitcoin in many different settings that people are figuring out. You know, all thing the blockchain does is prove it's there. So that's the point of the blockchain. So, I mean, I think that's the simple, stupid way to think about Bitcoin. And that's, you know, how I would address that criticism. That's fair. I mean, that, uh, that you're right. I think it gets to that separation of like the Keynesian Austrian view of things in a lot of ways. And, you know, I'm, I'm firmly in the Keynes department in my mind. Like it makes it, that one makes the most sense to me. Um, I mean, I'm biased because I guess that's just what you learn in school now. Just in general, I realize that is that's just kind of like what everyone learns. Um, so obviously being the one that that's the one I learned, it makes the most sense to me. So um, I look for examples of, of growth. And I think we've seen the last like 70 years of just like pretty much Keynesian economics just throttled to the max mm. between the different American presidents and different, just in general, there hasn't been a lot of policy, policies of austerity in the United States. That doesn't seem to be our MO, not yet at least. Maybe this government shutdown is different, but I think those are for different reasons. So you're saying give credit to where credit's due, and we've seen a lot of growth under Keynesian economics? Yes, exactly. Okay. I think, I mean, I think it's been there in the times of need, whether that's good or bad, I mean, just look at where we are compared to where, like, obviously technology is going to move naturally too, but at the same time, like, we're not hitting big, big, like, depressions anymore, you know, there's not... Knock on wood here <laughs> yeah. about that one. So how do you feel about um, the concept of the separation of money and state? Because uh, that... The, if you separate money and state, I could be wrong, but that kind of removes all ability for Keynesian economics. So do you, do you or, and if I'm wrong, anyone correct me, but uh, do you see any value in a, a commodity type money that is just kind of controlled by market forces? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm just scared of where it could go. Um, mm. The problem is, is like when you have market forces controlling things, you have money, like there's this time where before it matures, where it will be vulnerable. It'll be, it'll be exposed and vulnerable at the same time. And that's where I'm, it has to get over that. And that's going to be difficult, I think. And there are going to be a lot of people out there who will want to use that to their advantage before there's like a ability where no one can possibly, you know, take over. And I, it's just like real life and, and a complete market forces in real life. Mm -hmm. If you don't have anyone, to enforce the rules, sometimes the person, the bigger player just says, I'm going to win. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a fallback, if you don't have a government force to do something about that. You can't, you know, it is mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but I, it, I don't like the fact that there can't be an arbiter. Yeah, that's fair. Well, okay. So that, this kind of gets into why a lot of people are really excited about MakerDAO because MakerDAO is this kind of market-based arbiter of sorts where it's not totally Keynesian because you can't just print unbacked DAI. So it still has commodity-backed currency, but it is this uh, entity that can change uh, interest rates and, you know, change. It has different levers and buttons to press 
uh, and and that kind of returns power to not any like centralized entity, which is the whole point of MakerDAO, but it does have some leverage and controls uh, uh, about it. And I know that you have some criticisms about MakerDAO, so maybe we can go into that. You, you've said to me before that MakerDAO doesn't make sense to you. What about it doesn't make sense? Um, it's been it's been a minute since I've refreshed my memory of, of MakerDAO. But, yeah, we're throwing Hunter but, into the hot speed here. <laughs> but from my recollection, I just think that there's a there's a, a huge inefficiency in it. You know, you have to have if you're having if you have three hundred percent collateral on a die, mm-hmm. that means you have all this money sitting there not making a return for someone. And I just think that that is something people won't want to do. And if you don't, if people like. On a large scale, like right now, I think the people are doing it because it seems like a great idea. Like if this works, damn, think about how cool that would be. So let's support this project. And I think a lot of people are doing that. And, and I, I don't think that's the only people that are doing that. Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's obviously a very large generalization. But I think there's a lot of, in general in crypto, like support for projects that may not be the greatest projects. They could be. I mean, I'm saying this particular one isn't and that will fail, but it's like something that maybe isn't like vetted thoroughly enough is getting funding and getting far enough. (laughs) Anyways, yeah. So I think that there's some of that going on in this as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's, for making it out to really work in my opinion, um, there has to be some aspect of appreciation of Ether. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I feel like that is also part of Bitcoin as a SOV. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's just flatlined against the dollar, um, eventually people will lose interest. I don't know, it's going to be tough. I think that there's going to be appreciation, I think because there is utility to some degree. I personally trust in market forces. I feel like the market can ha- has a lot more sensors of information than some sort of central arbiter. That's like why I think the market is better. Um, and we just haven't been in a situation where an arbiter can't take control. So no matter how scared we are or how uncertain we are, it's happening. So it's gonna be interesting. I think there's gonna be a lot of popcorn. Yeah. But. Yeah. And I do think that, uh, that again, that <coughs> Christian touched on a good point that I didn't get to as well. Thank you for reminding me about MakerDAO, and that is that it's it is so tied to the appreciation of ether, and that does seem just kind of scary to me that people are like, you know, the, one of the first things I hear about is hey, you know, I'm gonna take my die and buy more ether for it <laughs> so that I can get more die so that I can get more ether. It's just perfect. <laughs> that just like those it just doesn't sound. That's like the too good to be true. Yeah, it 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 is when when people. So I've done this before. So I put in my ether, buy die, buy more ether, and then put that ether in. But then I do not then recurse after that but personally. You could. But you but could. But you could. And people and, do. And that's <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No. No. You're totally right. Um, there. There is one story of a guy who put a bunch of ether in and uh, paid off his like three hundred thousand uh, dollar mortgage and got the benefit of a 05 percent uh, low interest loan. Uh, but stories like that are few and far between. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I bet the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. 
So anything else in the world of crypto really excites you about maybe the long-term vision of, of crypto? Anything particularly that really uh, really tickles your brain or anything bearish that you want to bring up? I'll go, I've been pretty bearish this whole time. I'll be, I'll be a little bullish now. Um, I do think that we need a currency that's global. I think that that's something... I've seen it in just the short time of like, I guess I can touch toe about the, like the startup background. Um, I'm an owner of a company that creates children's books in virtual reality called Pika. Um, and one of the things that we wanted to do is create these children's books experiences in other languages. So I was hiring a translator from Spain who was living in Spain at the time. And um, I had to send her money and it was like a hundred bucks. And to wire her a hundred bucks was $35. I was just like, this is crazy. And you can't really use Venmo. They don't have that there. So she's like, sorry, you're just going to have to wire it to me. So I ended up paying $135 to spend a hundred dollars. And I was like, wow, if I could just send you an ether or Bitcoin or whatever, I'd be paying like 10 cents or less or around that, you know? And I was like, wow, this is just a new way that people can do commerce faster and cheaper. And for me, a Keynesian guy, um, you know, there's an equation. I can't, I'm going to butcher this maybe, but it's like MV equals PQ equals PQ. And so crypto people are very familiar with okay, this equation. Okay. So good. <laughs> Anyways. And I think, you know, part of that equation is the speed of money and how fast that changes hands. And I think if you lower transaction fees and you make it quicker like that, you make that number go fat up high, you mm-hmm. know, and then you, it has reverberations on the other side of the equation. So, um, you know, I, that's where I see value is right there is everyone being able to do business faster and cheaper and just pay quicker. And I think that is going to be very valuable. Do you think that Bitcoin or Ethereum can get there or die? I think, yeah. I mean, I, do I think they could get there? Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, do I have any particular reason to believe any one of them will beat any other one? I my heart says Ethereum because I feel like that's the most flexible of the of the cryptos that are established that I wouldn't consider a shitcoin. I mean, I feel like it's like a Bitcoin has a head start of, uh, to get there, and Ethereum's gonna have a way longer way to get there. But I think that they have the ability to run faster. Um, so. We'll see. It's a race. It's a race. It's a race. race. (laughs) My buddy, Mr. Bean. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's uh, let's get back into territory that Hunter knows very, very well. Hunter comes to Christian and I when he wants to talk about crypto, but we turn to him when we want to talk about the markets. Uh, And so, Hunter, how does the market look to you? The the normal market, the the dollar market. Yeah, the stock market. Um, Right now, it's actually looking pretty juicy. Anyways, so I've been looking at the market uh, more so right now, and I see a lot of value because everything just dropped 50% in three months, which that's just in any time that just doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it might not be the bottom right now, but I feel like we got to be close. Um, You know, I could be wrong. I don't see a big crisis in the markets right now, like 2008 or 2000, where it just got out out of this world, I think. Again, back to that MVPQ equation, um, you know, there wasn't very much inflation over the last 10 years, and there's been serious, um, like, a lot of new business being created and a lot of, like, things making things faster to do business. You know, before I had to send you a check and it took a week to get there, now I can send you a wire, it takes a day. 
And now you can go flip your, if you're in America or two days, if you're somewhere else, it depends on who your banker is. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you just can flip that money so much faster, but I do think that we have a lot of uncertainty right now with unfortunately the political landscape. I, I don't think tariffs are good. I don't think that helps the global economy at all. You know, if Trump can pull it off, we're going to see a big bump. So, you know, I, I could see it go down more. Because, Do you think him not pulling it off is priced in? Uh, no. And also, what's pulling it off? What does that mean? Getting China to somehow agree to IP um, theft regulation. I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, I think that's the biggest problem. They just offered him. I, I read something that they just offered him a package. It's not going to happen. You don't think it's going to happen? No, it's just lip service. If it, if it happens, it's lip service. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I do think if they could get some sort of, because the only way it's going to work is if they can stop IP theft, which that's going to stop. Um, that that's not going to be possible. Files on the uh, internet, not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I would say just getting more trade from China would be the win for him. But at the same time, I don't think it's like that's enough, really, or what people want out of this trade negotiation. I guess. And I just think in general, we've been, we've been pulling back out of the global markets and, you know, I think that we were, uh, the United States, I mean, uh, you know, we might not have had the best deals in the world, but we were getting, we were in every conversation. And so we got a slice of every pie instead of, you know, a big slice of small pies. And I think that was a way more sustainable way to be. And we created this like American hegemony of trade and, and peace, I guess. And I think we're seeing cracks in it, and I think it's going to reverberate. And so that's why I'm a little concerned about the markets. But at the same time, everything looks like it's on sale, you know? <laughs> so how, how do you play this? Um, I'm simultaneously going long and short in the market. Um, I think that we're going to... That's how you make money. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, so far... I'm about even, so that's good. Um, and, you know, there hasn't been a lot of movement since I've made my positions, so that's probably why. Um, but, you know, I think that we're going to see a lot of volatility, so there's going to be an opportunity for... I think there's probably going to be a drop again, and when there is that, I want to have something that appreciated because everything else dropped and I can sell it and do more. Um, I'm sure you guys all know about that, but... How do you feel about the gold chart? Um... I haven't looked at it, to be honest. Um, I don't think gold is really here. Let's look it up right now. Uh, Personally, I, I feel like medium term, term bullish on gold. It has some nice meme value. Um, you know, uh, I just... Uh, Come on. I, there's just so much better value out there. Yeah, well, what, what, are we gonna, what are we going to do to gold? It looks like the Bitcoin chart, except it went up and then didn't <coughs> really finish crashing. It's like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, there are deals out there in the stock market that better than gold. Like, gold doesn't do anything. Gold is just a pretty rock. <laughs> Hence why meme value. Uh, absolutely. But it's just... I like I mean, memes. Memes have to die at some point. Like they don't carry on it's, forever. It's not gonna die now. How are you not gonna buy Apple at these prices right yeah. now? Uh -huh. You know, you look at the how much cash they have, and you take that off their stock, their their uh, P and E, 
And it's like crazy. It's deals. It's deals. All right. Hunter says long apple. Anything mean, else? Short Tesla. Ooh, no. Yeah, about Tesla. I don't, don't think I could be short Tesla. I, uh, I it would be too scary. So are you religious about Tesla? I'm not religious, but I do see, you know, I invest in companies that I can understand their ecosystem, how they're going to make money, how they're going to entice customers. Could I see myself use them as a question I ask myself sometimes, but that's not really the one that gets me because I like, you know, some of the just basic, I mean, I own a, I own a, a book, a company about children's books and virtual reality. So I'm not the target market, but mm-hmm. I can see, I can see value in something like that. And so that's what I look for in investment opportunities. And, you know, I think that Apple is one of those ones that's good. I think that Tesla is one of those ones that's good. I think Microsoft is another one that's good. I think Visa, I know you all crypto people hate Visa, but I think Visa is going to be. I just wouldn't buy it. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's a, it's a direct competitor. (laughs) So I like to invest in freedom technologies and surveillance technologies at the same time. So I actually really (laughs) like, I really like Visa (laughs) and I really like, uh, PayPal as a buy and I've been chilling square forever. So all of which are very much surveillance technologies. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think Disney, I think is another one that they have just like a monopoly on all of your favorite stories. Like, IP. Yeah, it's just like, and there's nothing the government can do about that. It's like, what, you have you have, you have a monopoly on Bambi. <laughs> you have to give it up. It's like, no, you're going to have, they're going to have that forever. And they can keep iterating on these stories that have made people so much money. They got Star Wars. They, do they have Harry Potter now? Is that part of that series? No, is that the one thing that they don't have? Dude, they have so much. I'm pretty sure they have Marvel now too. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy. They're they yeah. So they're gonna make their own streaming service and have all the good stuff on it. And Netflix is gonna be out of luck. I think Hulu's gonna be dope though. I think Hulu has an opportunity to be awesome too. I think all three of them can exist. I think some someone's gonna buy HBO, but HBO is already owned by by Time Warner. You know that right. Okay, well, there you go. Well, you're right, then. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, AT&T, AT&T, and Verizon are both going for the content route as well. So get ready for some good content. All the stuff on cable is still going to continue to suck. So, But I'm honestly kind of scared for HBO. Like, what's going to happen when Game of Thrones is done? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I, I don't see anything else on it that's like, wow. HBO really is just knocking it out of the park. Well, aren't, aren't they doing a, a Game of Thrones prequel? Aren't they going back in time like 6,000 years or something? And doing, they better. Yeah. Do something cool with that story. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, Harry, they started doing Harry Potter. You uh, can say yeah. the F word. We're, we're allowed to say I don't. Here. I don't. I, I censor myself. Because you work with kids. I work with kids, <laughs> so I should be better about that. Wait, what's the name of your company again? Where can you where can they find you, Hunter? <laughs> My company's called Pika, and you can find us at PikaVR.com. If you uh, want to learn more, bring us to your schools. We'll come out. We'll fly to you. We've been to South Carolina. We've been to Idaho. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and it's just cool stuff. I mean, getting to see kids really excited about reading, and they, like, remember more of the story, which is, you know, really good for them and really good for us. Is VR underrated? Oh, absolutely. Yes. As, as somebody who had just a magical VR experience last night, 
If you guys if you guys have a VR headset, go download the app called Within and play around in some of those stories. It's uh, it's pretty sweet. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm biased, but yes, <laughs> I think that VR is underrated. Um, I think that it really op- provides a lot of opportunity for empathy. Um, you know, how else can you really put yourself in someone else's shoes, like except for like basically doing that digitally? Um, and I think that it just there's so much, once you're in a digital world, you can, there's no more analog anything. So you can see where someone's looking at all times. What are they, like, at least for us as a reading application of virtual reality, knowing what words they're struggling with, what, um, what things are interesting them, interesting them on a certain scene, um, you know, being able to really analyze a reader's uh, behavior in virtual reality. I think it's something that's going to be really valuable for teachers and for parents um, to be able to, you know, a teacher can assign a whole class, you know, read this book in virtual reality and then she can get a report at the end of the night that says, you know, this is how long it took each student, which is, you know, all graded on a percentile. All these things would show like, you know, average times and, you know, you could see, you know, if they struggled on certain words, which ones were they, um, you know, we want to have abilities to look at definitions. So if they started looking up certain definitions, what words were they looking up? Um, there's just a lot of different applications for us. And I mean, I can't imagine what the, uh, the doors are for um, medical science. Um, you know, just there's just so many applications. It's so hard. To, it's so hard to even start the conversation. So yes, underrated for sure. Is VR blockchain? Is VR blockchain? Is it a buzzword? I don't think so. Well, yes. Well, for now. I'm skeptical when people say there's so many applications. Well, okay, <laughs> not yet. They don't exist yet, obviously. So, yes, in the, in the regard of is it blockchain, no, it hasn't been realized yet. So, so Well, neither is blockchain. So, well, that's my point. Is yeah, it, yeah. it is very much like blockchain in that there are possibilities that you're like, wow, if they could just get their shit together, you know, wow, <laughs> this would be amazing. This is a conversation I have with, with our mutual friend, Michael, uh, where there are just a lot of different uh, technologies that are being developed right now that are all going to seem to be uh, developing in parallel at the same time. And they, it seems to be there's, this, there's going to be this Cambrian explosion where all these things really just start to uh, get adopted by consumers. And so VR is definitely one of them. Cryptocurrency potentially is definitely one of them. Um, and then there's art, you can throw in artificial intelligence and like, am I, am I missing anything? Like those three things could be absolutely insane to combine. Well, I mean, we talk about ecosystems. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, just to not to keep, uh, bringing up my company again, (laughs) but you know, part of the core of our company is tokens. I mean, we don't use the standard crypto model, but you know, we, have created a system where, you know, it's like an arcade for reading. And the idea is to get... Video game points, right? Well, well, no, it's like, it's like having Chuck E. Cheese tokens. Right. So... V-Bucks. V-Bucks. The tokens that you don't ICO with. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, We don't want kids playing with, with real money, but at the same time, you know, they're going to use those tokens. And the idea was, we want to separate in virtual reality you don't want to have to type in your credit card information or like have mm-hmm. to select that stuff. Like you just want to have a little pile of money mm-hmm. and go do something like that barrier is stopping people from spending money in virtual reality and making money for those virtual reality companies. So by, we think by creating this token system, 
there's it's just one way one step easier for someone to spend money um and especially for a kid that's we want it to be easy for them because we want them to read for obviously good reasons for us and good reasons for them so it's um we don't want there to be that sticking point so having this cryptocurrency ecosystem come out at the same time i mean i think that those are going i think vr and crypto will lend itself very well together because of that i think mm-hmm. that it just makes it easier Absolutely. back to that ease of payment Crypto in video games, I think, is going to be very interesting, especially if it gets to cash transaction and ease of use level. Um, so I think that's very interesting. I think most and yeah, most video games in the future, especially games like Fortnite or games where you're going head to head with other people, and then there's like a lobby of people. I think there will be a, every single ver- uh, game out there will have a version of the same game where you can throw in like everyone puts in like a dollar into the pot and then the winner of Fortnite gets a hundred dollars or some spread like that. I, th- I think a lot of video games will have Would that. Would you like that? Like you play a lot of Fortnite. I, would that but, be fun? Of course. Yeah, I love it. I would love it. I would win. That's why I would love it. <laughs> or but, it would change the game though because it would professionalize uh, Well, players. that's the problem is that like kids, you know, you just ruin it for kids. You can't have kids being, it's the same reason why we don't want our tokens to be able to be sold on open market. You have two versions though. Okay. Okay, yeah. If you have two versions of it, I guess it makes sense. And you have, like, an age limit. Mm-hmm. That you, you know, but, man, that would be addicting. You could get people really addicted to that. People yeah. would lose their lives uh-huh. because they thought they were really good at something, and then they just get absolutely demolished. Yeah, definitely not necessarily a good thing for humanity, but probably will be happening anyways. I know, I don't know if this is a good avenue to tell the story, Do but, it. I mean, people, I have friends that uh, play FIFA <laughs> against each other. Mm-hmm. And have bet each other. I mean, one of my friends made, I like, $1,200 off another one playing FIFA. Just, just like, two people? Just two people, just back and forth. They'd be playing. And, like, he would rack up, like, $300 and just, like, $5 on this game. And they'd just keep playing. He'd lose. And he'd be like, double or nothing? Double or nothing? Double or nothing? Double or nothing? And he'd just keep losing. And, like, that's just, like, uh-huh. that's Brian. You know? Uh-huh. Like... How do you... That was Ryan? Yes. Oh, my God. To Al. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you bet on Al? No, what against... Is... They were playing against each Wait, other. Wait, so yeah. who's better, Al? Al. Al. Al, definitely Al. Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah, and... Yeah, so, like, at the end of the day... I... Sorry, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> but I think that it could just get out of control. Um, I would love it. I personally would love it. But there will absolutely be video game rehab. Like be- gambling, video game rehab oh, yeah. centers for sure. How do we control theoretically unstoppable applications and games and stuff like that? You don't. You let it. You let it run. Oh man. You you teach financial literacy and responsibility. You have education. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing is you just need like we have to just like not shit on our education system and unfortunately the crypto space really can't do much about that. Um, crypto space is a pretty good job of teaching about finance. Uh, Oh, sure. You you have to learn about it. But, sure. But I'm talking about, like, public schools need to not suck. Yeah. People need to realize, like, their life needs to get to get, like, they have to, like, create a life for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, our, like, I was very lucky to go to good schools, and I still don't think I was prepared for real life. The college, yeah, I was prepared for for college. Yeah. They did a great job for that. But, like, as far as, like, Knowing how to pay your taxes and knowing, mm-hmm. yep. doing like basic budgeting. I mean, not that that's really that hard, but just like, no one, when were they supposed you to, to do it yourself? Yeah, you just figure like, it out. Yeah. 
which at the Thank end you, of the day, tax. yeah, that I don't think that's I think that's the problem. Is we got to teach all that stuff way more in depth. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like crypto offers a potential solution to that. Yeah, but not if we want consumer adoption. If we want consumer adoption, we're going to have to onboard people without them having to learn all that stuff. No, no, but I'm saying that in terms of like taxes being a pain in the butt and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Crypto is going to solve that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it gets, if it gets uh, enough adoption uh, in uncensorable ways and open source ways. So. Well, yeah, what happens with that? Like if people stop paying their taxes, like our roads just going to start crumbling like dope. Are, you, are we talking about how, like, once a crypto ecosystem grows and proliferates and well, gets consumer adoption, the government doesn't really have any good ability to be able to tax us? Is, well, that, is that what we're saying? Well, I think that's kind of the yeah. point you're making. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, in that perfect world, great. Now, fucking... Well, government needs Have to... you seen that road over there? You can't drive on that. There's huge... Po- I mean, I do, but it's like... So, maybe... It's worse than that. Does... Maybe the solution for the pothole is less government, not more government. Yeah. What happens when you tighten the belt on government because all of a sudden no one's paying taxes? Like, oh, they got to shape up or else they're not going to have anything to do. I don't know. I do think that there is wasteful spending in the government. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, they're... they're what ratio of, of good to bad spending do you say the government has? I don't know how you can put a ratio on it. I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, we need that money to flow into the economy, maybe inefficiently. <laughs> and that is what multiplies the money. Um... You know, I, you know, it sounds kind of like commie and stuff, but like at the same time, like it, that makes sense. Like if one, if a thousand people have $10 or one person has $10,000, like it's way more likely that that $10,000 that those hundred people or whatever I said have, sorry, or the thousand people have, than it is that that one person is going to spend all $10,000. It's just that, mm-hmm. that just makes sense. It's more like that he's going to save three grand of that and put it in a bank account and not touch it. And that's, that's three grand that just sits there. Mm-hmm. And so $7,000 being pushed through the economy again, said 10,000. So, you know, that makes sense to me having more hands and little, it's like how the problem with like one of the, the trajectory that we're on, like how many people can afford a thousand dollar iPhone? I think we're running into that problem right now. Yeah. You know, like inequality can only get us so far. Mm-hmm. Again, you could say that seniorage is a cause of that. Uh, as government, yeah. So who gets the money first when you print it? So okay. the rich people, the bankers, the government that spends the money. I mean, you could say that that's an invisible tax. I mean, it seems like it's an inefficient. It, no, I don't think any of us will disagree that it is a very inefficient system. So maybe some sort of uh, tightening up uh, mm-hmm. would do good. I don't know. It might do bad. It might be super super painful. There's a lot of unknowns here. The crazy thing is that I don't think we can stop it. I've always thought that the new generation that's coming into the world, and you can see this across the world, is being like a very re- uh, retractive force. Uh, so millennials are very frugal. Uh, there's less uh, young people in China to support the old people. Taxes are being collected less, I think. That might not be true. But generally, the, the lower, the, the younger populations are not being as good a consumers as our parents' generation was. And then as a result of that, I think there's going to be a very forceful uh, contraction of the global economy just to become more and more efficient because everyone, like, like the, the meme is that millennials are overworked, underpaid, and depressed. And that's going to reduce consumerism. And if that's true across the world, there's going to be a great gigantic shift of 
how inefficient the world is allowed to be and still be functional. See, I agree with almost everything you said except for the part about us being worse consumers. I think that that depression makes people just fucking fill it with stuff. (laughs) I mean, I think that at the end of the day, like, you know, one of my favorite, this is a free business tip for you all listening. uh, One of my favorite ideas that I've had for a while now, the next place that a big tech hub goes to, I want to invest in pet stores because people are lonely. They don't have anyone. They don't have family. They're all techies that get flown in and are transplants. And so what do the lone people want? Pets. They want a pet. So people are going to spend money on pets. And that's just like, I, you know, people who are not happy can be very uh, like emotional consumers, I think. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. You heard it here. Go out and buy pets, uh, pet stores. Sell your ether, sell your Bitcoin. Buy pet stores. Buy pet stores. (laughs) We were talking about making uh, some uh, cool stickers, and that's going to be one of the first one. <laughs> Buy pet Buy stores. Pet stores. <laughs> I <laughs> want one. I want one. Pet stores is financial advice. Everything else is not. <laughs> Long would... pet stores short the bank bankers. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an easy business. Come on, guys. Do we know it is? I don't know that that's an easy business. No, I don't. Yeah. I'm sure you just buy pet products and put them in a store and people come buy it. Should we sign off? Sure, yeah. I mean, this is a pretty fun show. It's a, a, a nice dynamic to do it in person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Hunter, thanks for coming on to the show. You are always welcome on no. POV Crypto since I just record it one room over anyways. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. I will... Uh, Try to uh, not make too much noise next time you guys record. <laughs> what is it like to live with a podcaster? It's not that hard. Yeah. Um, it doesn't change much. Uh, I usually play video games with headphones anyways, yeah. so it doesn't really make a difference for me. If any of you have heard Fortnite yelling in the background, that was Hunter. Yep, sorry. <laughs> Dubs. Dubs only. Alright guys, follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can find me at both on Medium and on Twitter at Trustless State. Uh, you can find me uh, at CK underscore Snarks. Hunter, where can people find you? What do you want to tell our audience? Um, you can find me at uh, That Good Stuts, I think is my social media handle for most things. Um, feel free to say what's up if you like what I have to say. <laughs> Um, and uh, check out Pika. It's dope. Tell your teachers about it because we're cool and we'll come to your school. What's the website? PikaVR.com. It's great. Go check it out. Wait, you're going to have an app coming out soon, right? Yeah, app comes out at the hopefully by the end of February. We will have two books. Um, Far Fool, Fulong from Oolong Panchu and The Gray Bubble Goo. I do not want to pronounce that one. And Shelby Scavenger Scout. So... You all love it. Yes. It's great. Yes. Either get a kid or smoke some weed. It'll be entertaining either way. It really will be, honestly. <laughs> Try it out. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening in. Peace. Bye.